live, we're rolling. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of The Sidelines. I'm your host, my name is Cord Sage Hart. I'm here with my other host, my man. That's AP over here, Cordo. How are you, buddy? I'm going well. Do you think that's a good intro? I don't know. I've, I've noticed I it's it somehow became like our official intro, where I pretend that we're live on the air like a radio station, <laughs> even though we're recording this and we edit it and publish it later. Well, I mean, we can try another one, but... We're probably not going to. Yeah, we're never going to be those radio guys that have that sort of like, it's AP and Cordo, live from the studio. You say that and then I know that you've spent some time creating one in the background. Have instantly just thought, I need to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but mate, you're pumped. You came through the door of the studio. You you had a a, a brightness to yourself not that you're a dull individual but there was an extra little bit of pep in your step yeah i mean well firstly you bagged me out and said if i started a new skin regime <laughs> which i haven't <laughs> which you were happy about the joke at the time well i was just trying to be supportive slash a douche <laughs> but no pumped up it was a big day in sport mm. so for those of you not aware today was there's a bit going on in the nba world which was game seven of the semifinals of the West Coast Finals. Yes. So one of the big things about that, which I'll just sidetrack for the people who aren't aware, which is game seven is like this perfect meshing point of chaos. Uh, unfortunately, in Australian sport, we don't do it because we just sort of do a one and done grand final. Yeah, we do, don't we? Yeah. So Americans, for the most part, outside the Super Bowl, so in NBA, MLB and hockey, uh, they prefer a system which is a best of seven, which, you know, I think great. I think the game of sevens a really interesting take on it because you just get different, you know, layers on what to do for coaching and different players step up and fail and all sorts of stuff. But it does take away a bit of the randomness. Like, yeah. Well, it probably removes that, like, the great team having a bad day. Yeah, that kind risk. of, like, statistically speaking, the better team should win. Yes. Um. But, you know, it doesn't always happen, but it just, you know, that's sort of what happens. But anyway, I wanted to set the scene for those not aware. But as a part of it, uh, Game 7 occurred. And what is probably going to go down into one of the biggest chokes uh, by a team. But at the same time, it brings me great pleasure because I don't like players in the team who lost. <laughs> so I don't like the Clippers. I don't really like Paul George. Um, Kawhi's neither here nor there for me. I wouldn't say I enjoy him. I, I respect him mm. because he doesn't really have a personality, like at all. <laughs> yeah. Like he doesn't. He's a robot. Yeah, but he choked big too, so that was like a nice little, you know, addition. But the fact that Paul George lost, and the underdogs came through in a big way. Yes. So again, I was pretty pumped up. You know, the team that I didn't want to win choked. They now get to go through the, the. Uh, the media trial and tribulation, which is not going to be fun for them. Yeah. After they themselves declared that they were going to win the season, which is always a bold line. Um, yeah. But look, it really did start me thinking about what is it about the enjoyment of others failing that, well, makes me so happy, but it makes everybody happy. And that hatred towards teams, because it is prevalent in all sports. Mm. I mean, you're Captain Frio. You don't like the Eagles. Correct. At all. Do not. In the slightest. <laughs> so I guess we're going to be starting to pick your brain about, you know, why is this happening? And the 
and the players around that too because players play a massive part. They do, yep. So what is it about people that just probably enjoy hating on a team more than maybe even liking their own? Yeah, I, I think that's bred from mediocrity. So, <laughs> so I mean, I guess speaking as a Frio fan, there is probably a jealousy there for the success that West Coast experienced. Um, so, yeah, often you'll find if your season's torched, I think you naturally then start to wish ill upon <laughs> those that you do not like. And you end up diverting all that energy that you would normally have for your own team. Rah, rah, rah. Becomes, <laughs> lose, yes, <laughs> fail. There's a weird, there's like a sick human element to it, right? Where like, what does the average human like more? Seeing someone great have success or do they love seeing someone they don't like fall? Like we love to see the fall of an empire, not the rise of one. Yeah, that's boring. That's boring TV. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like no one wants to see the good guy just go like, oh, I think I'm going to become uh, a scientist and, and create a, a cure for this illness. Oh, good luck. Yeah, I'm just going to study. Oh, I've done it now. And, and roll in credits. <laughs> no. We want to see like, oh, why is this bad guy still not being caught by the police? Come on. Like... Yeah, it's um, it is interesting. I mean, I'm in a weird position where, as an SN supporter, we have like because there's the historic rivalries. Yes, being an SN supporter, we effectively have a rivalry with pretty much every Melbourne club and West Coast and West Coast. Yeah, but, but like it's almost it's almost like boring. Like you kind of have to lose that because otherwise it's just like well, like every week's a rivalry game is just not realistic. <laughs> it's yeah. just like uh, okay, it's like. Oh, yeah, we hate Hawthorne because of the 80s. Oh, yeah, fair. All right. And we hate Collingwood because they're Collingwood. Oh, yeah, good point. Yeah. Oh, and Carlton. Oh, anyone else you want to jump on there? Well, how about your rivalry with West Coast? We have a rivalry because our coach was excited and waved a jacket once. Good. Great rivalry. That bore a, like, I can remember seeing that on TV. You lose in Perth, all the West Coast fans twirling the jackets around. I think they're still st- salty that Hurdy kicked that absolute cracking goal from the boundary. At Etihad or Marvel or whatever the hell the stadium's called now. Yeah. Marvel. Yeah. Marvel. Not DC. Not D- <laughs> Again, maybe Marvel would have been better off just renaming the stadium, not DC Stadium. Yeah. <laughs> just to really go petty. <laughs> yeah, I think it goes back to tribalism too. Like, as humans, we naturally like things, dislike things. We love our own echo chambers, too. We surround ourselves with people that have, you know, similar thoughts, likes, dislikes. So it's easy to sort of find a crew, cobble all together, and then unanimously dislike or cheer against something just because it's fun. Yeah. And, like, yeah, there's no logic to it. I think the other one with that, too, is there's another subset. There's a few subsets of dislike. So there's the... I don't like a team because they're just just too successful. They're just yeah. too good. Like a perfect, the perfect example of that would be the Patriots. Yeah, where, the NFL team for those who, yeah, which for is people like my mum who are going what? <laughs> <laughs> who historically great team, but you know Tom Brady's good looking. It's all worked out well for him. Like what a story, yeah. but it's just a bit like come on. Yeah, that he's tall poppy syndrome. Yeah. But then there's the other one, which I prefer more, which is the the person you hate, but secretly you just, like if they played for your team, you'd love them. Like absolutely yeah. love them. So that's like the Toby Greens of the world. Yeah. 
I mean, bulk flog, but bulk talent. And you're just like, oh, if we just had him. Like he's just a niggly <laughs> dude or just annoying or just does the right stuff. And you're like, I want him. I'd have him, but he, well, I don't. So I, I don't really hate him to be like, I don't normally always hate um, those sort of guys. Yeah. I mean, look, uh, we had Hayden Ballantyne at Frio. Everybody disliked Ballers. You know, he was a jet, but he was a jet footballer for a sustained period of time. But his doucheness probably made people like it detracted from his ability by being such a douche. But you love seeing that little niggly, annoying rat guy on your team that's getting in the face of the big dogs and literally is like a chihuahua barking at a German shepherd. Yeah. Then you've got, I guess there's, I mean, there's only one Ackermanis, but he's pretty unique and yep. he's just a genuine flog, bulk flog. Like there's no, there's no like, Oh yeah, yeah, I can make a case for him. Like, no, nah, just well, he's just got his real estate license, so jokes on him. <laughs> no offense to people that are real estate agents, but he's fallen from grace somewhat. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a fascinating thing. I, I don't remember Essendon having anyone that was unanimously hated around the league in recent memory. I mean. Aside from the entire club for like two years for bringing a league into... So I set you up perfectly for that. That I knew that you would go <laughs> down that path. Yeah, I, re- I remember that when we all hated your I recall. club. Yeah. Um, Awkward. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Gary Moorcroft? Yeah, but he took that hanger. Great hanger. Great I just hanger. wanted to bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Lloyd, Lloydie, well. Lloydie wasn't really enjoyed for... For some people. Well, he went out on a dark note. So he was liked for his career. But then remember he laid that monstrous dog hit on, was it a Hawthorne player? It wasn't a dog hit. It was a good hit. Yeah. It was a fair hit. Yeah, that was a wreck. I remember the whole country like just diving on him. They wanted his blood after that. It was a good bump. Yeah, fair enough. I'll pay it. <laughs> if Byron Pickett had done it, we would have been like, yeah, but because it was Lloydy. Yeah. It's his haircut though. He's got that utility white guy haircut. The Velvet Sledgehammer. Yeah, I, re- I reckon that, I, I think that contributes to it. Like him, Luke Darcy. Yeah. They just, they have that look about them where you're like, oh, that guy maintains his lawn really well at home. No, I love Lloydie. But no, like. He shops at Gazman. <laughs> For the most part, we haven't really had like, that I can really pin down on, like massively. I mean, at some point, someone's going to annoy you for on a team. You don't really know why, just because. Yeah. Um, I mean, I personally probably dislike more of Essendon players than most people who dislike Essendon do. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I watch us play and go, can we just get rid of him? Like, we, seriously? Were you loved or hated in your team? Were you a niggler? I was a bit of a niggler. Yeah, you got under people's skin. Yeah. Like, were you a physical annoyer or were you a verbal annoyer? Mm, not really verbal. Yeah. More just some like questionable hits. Not questionable, but just like fair hits that eventually just... Got dirty. (laughs) (laughs) Eventually just got me in trouble. It was a fair hit. 99% of it was fair, apart from the 1% of my elbow (laughs) connecting to his temple behind play. Well, look, I'm I'm not quite the tallest man on the field, so you've got to make your own luck sometimes. (laughs) Well, and just quickly on, on your note about the Clippers losing... Um, we do love to see an underdog win too, which I think makes it easier yeah, that to is a hate big one. a big team. So the Clippers, for people that don't know, like Steve Ballmer's their owner. He's the ex-Microsoft guy. He's one of the wealthiest men in the world. 
He's buying up real estate. He's throwing cash around to try and make them this big team. They're stacked with talent, but they don't play like a team. So it's easy to hate the team that looks almost like privileged. And then you've got the Denver Nuggets who don't have a lot of cash and they're all just kind of like worker bee basketballers. But the big shout out. We copped a lot of smack for this. I copped a lot of aggressive feedback from people saying, why is Nikola Jokic number two on your thick boy power rankings? I feel justified now. Look, I know that you feel justified, but you know that his reign in there is going to be short-lived. Well, we'll see. We'll see if LeBron's elite athletic power can handle Nikola's Eastern European weight. (laughs) No, but he's getting shredded. He's getting fit. Well, that's he had. Didn't he have coronavirus for a while? <laughs> Could have been that. No, he's genuinely starting to be fit now. I th- I think it's not not lack of ability that's going to knock him out. I think it's genuinely he no longer fits the criteria. Okay, but let's for argument's sake, you're not trying to burst my bubble. No. Yeah. I'm just saying that he's he might have to start being an omission due to just, just not fitting the criteria anymore. Let's just calm down. We don't want to make mm-hmm. grand sweeping statements. <laughs> <laughs> to Grand Street, but so he's out. <laughs> <laughs> on on a final note, do you think that uh, Nikola Jokic, being a big slow white guy, and Luka Doncic actually being a big slow white guy, have they given all of us slow white guys hope that there is still a place for us in elite athletic competition? Look, <laughs> to keep you alive, yes. <laughs> <laughs> to keep to keep you ticking over. Uh, I guess, an air of hope, then yes. I mean, it doesn't really relate to me because I'm not a slow to a white guy. <laughs> I mean, I'm slow, but I'm not tall, so it doesn't really fit for me. Yeah. But look, I do think it's... I like it when a player, uh, not necessarily an NBA, like I don't want to focus on that, but when players come into the sport that don't start fitting exactly what all the recruiters think works... So my case in point would be, look, it's fairly old now, but when Barlow, Michael Barlow, yeah, uh, started Bring the man a legend. So he actually grew up in Shepparton, uh, Gone Valley boy, but he was he became big because he was drafted late. Like he was actually he was deemed a mature age recruit at the time, and he yeah. was 22, 22, 23. Yeah, he was. We got him in the rookie draft too. But that was at the time. That was like your career was over. If you hadn't made it when you were yeah. 18 or 19, there's no point even trying. Yeah. But suddenly he was able to break the mold and that sort of changed how people drafted. Yeah. And I, I like I like that sort of story around players where, you know, I would say the AFL at the moment focuses on athletes. It's all about athletes. Like mm. This guy's got a freaking beep test that's like this and he's broad jump and he can do this. And you're like, yeah, but can you play footy? Yeah. Oh, but he doesn't have like... You, but he, he represented Australia in the triathlon. Uh, okay, but can you play footy? No, we'll teach him that. Yeah. Like, and I think that's a bit that sort of, I, I prefer it when those these different sort of X Factor guys start becoming more in again. Yeah, 100% agree. Because it's different. Yeah. Sports becoming so, uh, like, just oversaturated with the same kind of players. So it's nice to see people that stand out because they just don't move or play the way that everybody else does. Yeah, and they you know, they've got they've got talents and they're exquisite, but you know, on a on a bit of paper on a data sheet, they don't hit what the metrics say should be good. Yeah. 
Stuart Jew, 08 Grand Final, Hawthorne. We all love that. Yes, thick boy, Hall of Fame legend. But we love seeing a dude whose body looked like he had no business playing in an AFL Grand Final than just dropping bombs from 50 to, <laughs> to, to launch like one of the greatest victories in recent modern Grand Final history. Well, another really good one. Uh, Heath Shaw, who is yeah. a lot of people don't like him, but he's freaking good footballer. Yeah. Notorious. I mean, he's quite lazy. He'd be <laughs> one to admit that. Um, but when he was at Collingwood, he, he couldn't get below 10% body fat. Mm. And for the most part, a lot of the AFL clubs, I could be wrong, but they were all about, you know, all of our guys are going to be six or seven max. And that's it. You know, you're a lead athlete. This is what it is. He just couldn't get it. Mm. And yeah, a bit of a t- he was a bit lazy, but he was just like, I'm just not getting that. Like also, just- he had a penchant for drink driving in holding SS Utes and crashing them in that helps. <laughs> team parking lots. But yeah. But part of it was also Mick Mahoney. I was just like, I, just, like, I don't care. Yeah. Like, I don't care. Like, what's, what's an extra 2% body fat losing going to, like, the dude knows how to play football. Same as Dane Swan. Yeah. Dane, Dane Swan was, again, deemed this short, chubby, useless garden variety midfielder. But again, I like, I hope that comes back in again a little bit more at least. I hope we move to a trend where the AFL teams go, you know what, we need to scour Melbourne for guys in their 30s who had it back in the day <laughs> uh, and there's still a glimmer. <laughs> I'm ready. Role player. <laughs> okay. Right. So just quickly on that. Because you enjoyed you enjoyed the downfall of the Clippers, right? Yes. You enjoyed seeing the big dogs collapse. Mm-hmm. So it got me thinking, okay, where does AP's uh, desire for the downfall of hatred sort of begin and end, right? So I thought I'll just do quickly like the old classic uh, would you rather game. Okay. And I'm just going to put forward these scenarios and you have to pick one or the other. Okay? Yes. All right. Scenario one. <laughs> would you rather be Paul George right now, especially after all the hype, calling yourself playoff P, you're basically the laughing stock of the sporting world at the moment, or work on Donald Trump's campaign for the next like <laughs> three to six months. You can't quit. You won't be fired. You're basically one of his closest aides and you'll be like front and center. Throughout that journey. I'm not, I'm not taking the Trump bait there. <laughs> you know that was an easy one. So you'd rather be playoff P, Paul George. Yeah, that's not really... I don't want to be... You're I'm playoff not, AP. I'm playoff AP. I could come back. <laughs> so you would rather have choked on the big stage, currently getting discussed and lambasted uh, on most American sports TV shows. Yeah, because unlike the real Paul George, I would come back. No, no, no. You're, you're Paul George. You know what I'm saying? Like you... There is no objective reason why you're going to be Yeah, successful. but you don't know the future, but I do. And Playoff <laughs> AP, he's becoming a beast. Okay. Well, that, that was too easy. Yeah, that was that too, too I easy. told you that was too easy. Okay, number two. Okay. Would you, rather be, <laughs> would you rather be Simon Goodwin? You're the coach of the Ds, but you have a 10-year contract right now that you can't get out of and the club will never sack you for. And Luke Darcy is your assistant coach on an equal standing contract. So the rest of the next 10 years, you're coaching the D's with Luke Darcy right next to you. 
Yep. Going, oh, Clayton Oliver. I just love the way he goes about it. <laughs> That's a pretty good Luke Darcy impression. You spent yep. some time working that, haven't you? That's the Gazman haircut Luke Darcy. Yep. yep. Or you're the main guy in Melbourne right now leading the anti-lockdown protests and anti-vax conspiracy theories, but your face is like plastered everywhere. So we all know who you are and that you're leading that movement. Go on, Melbourne. You're going Melbourne? Yeah. Interesting. I thought you'd go the vaxxer lockdown guy because you'd sort of fade into anonymity within like a year. 10 years is a lot of dollar dues. Oh, you're looking at it from a financial standpoint. Wow. True. Yeah, at best you'd get like a little sneaky 60 minutes, 20K interview. Yeah. And then you might get sort of a Hello Magazine Woman's Day turning your life around. And what, even though Luke Darcy's annoying, statistically speaking, I'm going to make finals at least once, maybe. <laughs> so, like, it's not all bad. Well, you're inheriting a D's team that keeps choking. Yeah, but I could be the one that turns it. I'm very optimistic. Yeah, I know. that I forgot about this. It's killing me. Okay, <laughs> here's my best one. Here's my best one. Uh, th- this, is the, this is the proper this one. This is the doozy. Okay. There's no way around this. Okay. Right. And these both go on your body, large on your chest. Okay. Actually, we'll go on your neck. Oh, okay. Because then you can't hide it under a shirt. They're tattoos. I figured that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I gave it. Anyway. So you either on your neck get Collingwood Farkin Rules, F-A-R-K-I-N, Collingwood Farkin Rules tattooed on your neck, or bring back the Washington Redskins bra. <laughs> There's no winner there. <laughs> and you can't get that like, tacky cursive text tattoo on your neck where you can't really read it it's like block print text i feel like i loosely want to go back to the states so probably just get the collingwood one just because otherwise it's just probably not gonna it's gonna end in death at least worst case i have the collingwood one and get some looks but i'm not i mean there's no choice in that one there's no winners like essentially you're condemning yourself to a life where only joffa the collingwood cheerleader thinks that is a cool tattoo yeah pretty much versus yeah probably getting shot in new york for having the redskins tattoo yeah uh pretty much it's death or just a life of pain okay so big collingwood fark and rules tattoo <laughs> on your neck. <laughs> all right i love it thank you for playing that game i appreciate it thanks man okay so lastly we're going to do a new segment yes yes This is off the back of the popularity of our Greatest Sporting Moment segment. People have really enjoyed the whole uh, creating fake universes where you are successful in sport. So we thought, let's try and mix it up. So we're going to do a whole different series of these going forward. But for this edition, we're going to do Hollywood Greatest Moment. Slash, we've called it Once Upon a Time in Fake Hollywood. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so we don't get sued by Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> yeah. But also we're doing this segment because we thought of the name. So the name came first and then we had to figure out how to <laughs> use it. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So yeah, essentially it's a variation of our segment, but the idea is each participant is going to create a fake Hollywood star persona and career that will culminate with their performance or participation in a film that brings them the ultimate success, an Oscar. Which... It's probably not the ultimate success, but we've decided it is. Okay. So 
we're going to do this a little bit different. We're normally one of us would go through and pick holes, but we're going to go back and forth a little bit to keep things a bit more flowing. Yep. Um, but look, we'll take it from the top. Yep. What is your stage name, Cordo? So my stage name is C. Jackson Dupree the third. <laughs> I don't really want to ask you why. I'm just prepared <laughs> to get to the next question. Well, so I was sitting there trying to go, I want to have one of those like cool stage names, but retain a little bit of my name. So C, like, and then ev- no one knows what the C stands for. And then Jackson Dupree just sounded like kind of fancy, but still cool. And then the third make to me, you know, made me sound interesting. You, you speak, it was all cool factor. It was all cool factor. So yeah. look, you're probably not going to find this shocking, but I'm not very creative. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your stage name and why? It's just AP. <laughs> <laughs> I, put, I, I premise, I put more effort into thinking about some of the other bits of this segment. So you basically decided you like DMX for the rest of your career, but acting only. Look, to be honest, it probably just be normal name. But I'm just, I've just referred to yeah, it as AP. AP. Okay. Yeah. No so, one ever calls you anything ever again other than AP. Yeah, for the most part. Yeah, um, or except when you bring out a rap album and you're Azzy Pizzle. <laughs> <laughs> but look, I'll be I'll be honest. Didn't put a whole lot of effort into that bit of it, so I'll wear that. You 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 can win the the naming icon. Is it sad that it took me a solid ten minutes to think of that name? No. Hmm. It feels the third sad. was the bit. The third was the unnecessary bit, though. Yeah, I know. You couldn't help yourself. Yeah, I know, yeah, I know, I know. It was I was like trying to give it a little bit of a Shakespearean touch, but then I realized, oh no, it just sound like some obnoxious douche from some wealthy American like investor family, you know, like a kind of Hamptons trust fund baby. But anyway. All right. So say so Cordo. Yep. Or should I say, you mean Dupree? Because <laughs> <laughs> you've made a grave error in using that name. What was your big break? How did you get into the industry? Okay, so I was discovered doing adult films in Eastern Europe um, <laughs> under the name of Jacques Lecuca, which is kind of a play off Jackson, but Lecuca is from my Google translating in Latvian means the hog. <laughs> so it was Jacques the hog in adult films in Eastern Europe. No, I'm, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I was going to say a side note. How long have you spent Googling names this afternoon? <laughs> <laughs> My Google search history right now needs to be cleared. <laughs> no, no, that, that's a, a cheesy gag. No, so I was discovered um, in Home and Away. Oh. So I've gone like the classic Aussie actor. I did a Home and Away apprenticeship. So I was like one of the seventh bra boy weird boy gang Actors. Was it a toss-up between Home and Away and Neighbours? Yes, but I like the beach, so I went with Home and Away. Is that because you can sneak and get the rig out? Yeah, but I don't really have a good rig, so I'm always in tank tops in every scene at the beach. Mm. Neighbours is pretty weird too. It is. I mean, they're both weird. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) They're they're, they're both weird. Do we really want to get into... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So Home and Away has got an astonishing amount of turnover for their... Local population. So you've gone the classic, I guess, hometown, hometown Aussie route. Yeah, like so I'm in Home and Away. I did a few years there, but then I just sort of quit abruptly and the whole of Australia was like, oh my God, he's quit. But then I bob up in like uh, an Aussie-made film with a sort of a fairly meaty part and that is my stepping stone into the US. Okay, I like that. Yeah. 
Legit. You thought I was going to do something lunaticish, didn't you? No, that's pretty good. Okay, how about you, mate? How are you discovered? Well, I had a bit of a thought about this one. So, I kind of wanted to loosely be found on some kind of sitcom, but a comedy sitcom. Oh, nice. Uh, but I was going to just steer into the skid and make it one of those, because I think it's funny. Um, <laughs> one of those... Seemingly like One Tree Hill Friday Night Lights one, <laughs> which is that overteen drama one, but purely because I kind of get found that like I've got an okay jump shot. That's it. But it's not the show's not a serious. It's not. Can you have One Tree Hill and and though that show like teen drama where everyone's just like, oh man, nobody knows, but these are the most important times of our life as a. 17 year old who's actually 29 yeah like jesse why won't you be with me i just don't think we'll work but i want us to work dun, dun. yeah like i don't want that bit of it yeah okay. so i prefer legitimately like it's a bit more sitcom-y somehow so the tv show doesn't really exist anymore or yeah. ever but this is somehow the genre and i'm i'm notably like that's the role that sort of breaks it and there's like that bit of like oh i got the role effectively because i had an okay jump shot Okay, so you yeah, you're witty and funny, but you're still a bit alpha, a bit athletic. Yep. Yeah, okay. All right. I like that. Yeah. Seems believable. Yeah, loosely believable enough. And so did that role then does that launch you into the big leagues? Yeah. So so going on to the next ne- the next portion of it, mm. where it all sort of starts to happen as such. Yeah. All right. So the career arc of of me in this this way is I I go from there, but I don't get any of the sport roles. So I wanted to luck into one of the like the big ones, like a replacements type role where I'm Keanu, like but doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Bit of a flame out, but then I come back in and I start being legitimately like analyst in the CIA type guy. <laughs> <laughs> so I drop off the face, but I'm just a just a background guy who somehow knows way too much for a youngish dude. Like you know the guy that you hate in movies who's like <sighs> Don't get me started on the twenty-four-year-old CIA director. But no, I'm not. I'm not the director. I'm. J- I'm literally just the analyst. Yeah. But okay. You know how. You know how sometimes you're like, why is that analyst able to talk in that meeting? He's clearly way down the food chain and shouldn't. Yes. But somehow I just get to say like, I mean, I make the joke because it's in Transformers when the Australian actor's just like, oh, they're hacking us right now, and, oh, uh, and it's so bad. Yeah. But it's just like it's just me just being like, hey lads, are we going to like look into that? Yeah. Is anyone gonna? <laughs> and it's just like. Yeah. How does AP know what the fuck's going on there? There's, yeah, like, okay. Why is this rookie analyst dude any good? But this is where I was going to get you. <laughs> I get to join the illustrious crew who played Jack Ryan. Because then I get to go in clear and present danger and I get to basically be the new Harrison <laughs> Ford, which I know that, I mean, it's all about remakes these days, yeah. which is unfortunate. But for the game, like that's kind of where it is. So that's a big bulk of it. Yep. And then... Oh, just so it, let, I just realized you're going to be that character in shows my pet hate. There's 20 people in a military briefing, in a CIA government thing. Everyone in the room, including the president, the chief of staff, the generals go, I don't think it's a good idea for us to go in because that right there looks like a nuclear warhead. And you're the young guy at the end that goes, what if it isn't? <laughs> And everyone turns and looks at you. Are you that guy in that show? Yeah, so my first movie break is that guy. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I hate that guy. So look, 
that that that's the break onto the scene. Yeah. So it depends if you want me to go down because I know we've got a few more questions and yeah. items. Do you want me to continue down the path? Uh, no, no, we can go to the next one, which is the what types of roles are you known for? All right. Yeah. So from that from that little one, my big one is I'm always I do two superhero movies. Okay. Because I'm, I fall into that infamous category of people who get to do two. So you've gone stratosphere level. But one of them is rubbish. Like one of them is a basket case, absolute shitstorm. Like I wreck a franchise. Oh, holy shit. I know exactly what you're setting me up for. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. So one of them is a shitstorm. The other one's really, really good. <laughs> um, and at the same time, the, the, my, my career arc is that I'm that, that actor who's rumored to always play Bond, but never gets it. Oh, interesting. You know, it, there's always like, like who's going to be the next James Bond? And it's like, oh, AP would be all right. But I just never get it. So like TAB Sportsbet in Australia make a lot of cash on you because every time a Bondy film's coming out, they whack you in there as one of the like solid odds and everyone takes a bait and gambles on it. Yeah, and I've got a cut from TAB too, so it works out well. Yeah. yeah. Because <laughs> every time it comes out, I deliberately go in a suit because that's like what they... Seemingly, <laughs> that's what every actor who somehow gets rumoured to be in a Bond movie suddenly yeah. in that week or two is coming out of a a meeting somehow in suits yeah. when they've recently just been in jeans and a nice shirt. You're like shamelessly like in a, a park somewhere in LA and you've got like a weapons instructor <laughs> like teaching you to sort of like roll and pull a handgun out. And then you're like shamelessly spotted at a nightclub getting like uh, like cocktail making lessons. Yeah. Yeah. The big one I wanted to just throw in there though was like I was toying with doing the Bourne movie or Bourne-ish movie purely so I could get good at Kung Fu stuff because I thought that'd be cool. Yeah. But I decided not to because you can't really do Bourne-ish movies and also sneak into the the dual threat like superhero stuff. So yeah. I took took the high road and I cut that out, but I'm just flagging that it okay. was in there. <laughs> um, but yeah, look for the most part, like that that's sort of it. Like you, you know, always always loosely known as uh, you know, comedic, but never probably hit the mega mega bond or just just a three quarter star. Okay. Interesting. By the way, I like how you slagged me off for spending a lot of time researching, like, my name. You've clearly spent a lot of time researching your career. Yeah, I told you I did research <laughs> on some of the other bits. I've got more. Yeah, oh, I'm excited. <laughs> All right. Do you want me to continue or are you on you now? Yeah. Uh, or come back to me. Oh, we, yeah, we're going. Yeah, sorry. We're uh, going. Because uh, we're going to get sidetracked. Each at a time. But okay. what time? So it's you. Yeah. Dupree. <laughs> I'm not gonna let that <laughs> hit me. Why am I C. Jackson Dupree? I mean, uh, anyway. Um, so I leave home and away. I get a gig in a rom com, so it's a little bit Heath Ledgery, a little bit Heath Ledgery. I get a gig in a rom com. It's like Notting Hill Two. So I play this sort of like lovable guy that runs a cafe. And due to some protests that are going on in the US, a celebrity, uh, she ends up coming into my cafe and she's stuck in the cafe waiting for protests and crap to, to finish up outside. And we end up becoming friends. And it's basically the whole Notting Hill plot, but in America. And I'm a <laughs> coffee shop guy instead of a bookstore owner. That's, yeah, like that's my sort of like bigger Hollywood break. Oh, okay. Like I've never seen Notting Hill, so... You could have blatantly said, I just made up this story. I've been like, oh, right, yeah. <laughs> you haven't seen Notting Hill? No. Nah. Mate. Is that legitimately 
I'm happy to just throw any respect that men give me out there if they're listening in and if they think I'm a wuss. But I know deep down, most dudes, if not every dude that's seen that movie, loves that movie. So is that legitimately the story of Notting Hill? Yeah. Hugh Grant has a bookshop. Julia Roberts comes in. She's playing not herself, but like a huge Hollywood star. I've forgotten her character's name. And they just inadvertently become friends and then she comes back and then they somehow, she just randomly kisses him and then they start this like long love journey and she rejects him, then he rejects her and yeah. Basically he becomes her like Stedman to Oprah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad we took a moment to go through that because I have got great joy in that. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that's that's my sort of big break. But then... I cause mass controversy because I get cast as this epic villain in a movie. I get oh. cast as, this is going to freak you out. I get cast as the new Bond villain. Ooh. Oh, yeah. really well done. <laughs> yeah. So I star in the new Bond film, which I believe is called A Time to Die But Not Die in Vain Spectral Deluxe Again Moonfall. <laughs> You spent a lot of time on names this afternoon. I literally just punch that out on the fly. <laughs> so it's like the 17th movie that Daniel Craig's in because he's not letting go of the mantle. So that's why I can't get a guarantee because he says, he says he's done. Exactly. But he's never done. He's never done. But I got a gig in it. Good. Um, and I, it causes a lot of controversy because I'm only known in the world as this sort of cheese dick from Notting Hill 2. Nice. But then I rock everyone's world by playing this sort of sadistic, dark, twisted, missing one eye. You know, they're always like missing something. I'm missing an eye. Yep. But I wear like black leather jackets. And the whole classic, no one knows where I came from. Then I was raised in an orphanage. You know, like that kind of backstory character. And I speak with a weird Eastern European accent. Yeah, so you're a Bond villain. And you are and yes. you're a new and you but you're also the new agey Bond villain. Exactly. And then that launches me into, I just now become this guy that's always cast as a villain. I'm always rumored to be doing the next Joker. Uh, you know, uh, I end up playing a bad guy in one of those marvel films, but where I'm so CG'd, you don't know it's me. You know, like that oh, whole yeah. cliche thing. Um, I play some weirdos in some real dark, twisted cop thrillers. I'm not afraid to, like, take on those hard roles that don't bring a lot of glory. Yeah. But you're the man. I that, am. That, that is how I, you, you're known as the bad man. Yes, I am. So, do any of the so is that that's the Pete? That's it. You just always sort of that's it. Infamy in. Yeah, I'm evil. a well. I'm still an A-list star. Yep. But I'm never cast as Captain America. Yep. I'm always cast as Captain Columbia. <laughs> no, I like it. <laughs> okay. So now this comes to the meaty section, right? The culmination has got to be getting your award, right? Just like the greatest sporting moment where you have your moment where you're jamming on everybody and you're winning. So I want to know, what is your iconic movie? What was it about? And explain explain how you won. Okay. I'm going to make up an award. Oh, I like this. And it's going to annoy you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, and I set this up. So the reason why I'm in two Marvel failed movies. Yeah. So for argument's sake, we'll call the, f- the first one. I really thought about being 
the new in the newish somehow the bat you know Batman and Robin with Clooney yeah. how it was just absolutely shocking yeah somehow I've done that in Batman so it kills me okay but then I didn't really want to do that to Batman so but I've done it I'm wearing that I'm t- I'm wearing it okay but it leads me to cross over from DC to Marvel and I get handed the chalice of being the new Wolverine from oh. Hugh Jackman oh and what it does is it means that my big, my big movie after the first one of my solo Wolverine is I get to be in an X-Men movie. But effectively, the core group is... Can you hear X-Men's really good at doing... Like, they just make up their own timelines. Yeah. yeah. Hugh Jackman has come back on for one more go. <laughs> so, so you're like multiple time parallel universe yeah. Wolverine. So I get to hang out with Hugh Jackman. As Wolverine. While I'm also Wolverine. Oh, I'm you, also pig shredded too. Are you fighting together as Wolverines? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so it's like buddy cop X-Men movie, but two Wolverines. But I'm about to pull out the Hellbringer. Okay. The other unsung X-Men hero. <laughs> Deadpool. <laughs> <laughs> so I get to be in a movie with Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman. And I get given... The infamous, this new award, which is the superhero of the year movie character award, because in this in this world we live in, there's just effectively no other movies other than just flat remakes. Yeah. So at this point, everyone's given up on anything unique, so they've just renamed the Oscars like the Soupies or something weird like that. Again, I didn't spend a lot of time on the naming of stuff. <laughs> it's just the idea, but the big one is that everybody's just like unbelievable. You know, no one could be Wolverine. There was like Hugh Jackman himself who was like, this is my guy. Like, yeah, Aussie to handing over and everyone's just still like, oh, Hugh. God, he's even in handing over the torch. It's just wonderful. So you're mates with these two as well. Yeah, because it leads into like a little bit later where that, <laughs> okay. yeah, I'm, I also get to join like the Ryan Reynolds, Hugh Jackman, their little friendships feud <laughs> and it's just me in there too <laughs> just hustling in on the bromance all yeah, right but Good. that's pretty much it okay i like that what about you mate what's your award okay so i win an oscar i'm going for it i'm going for the gold statue i'm approached by alfonso cuaron the director of revenant uh who done, has done other classics like children of men right he's a real gritty Amazing director. So you're going hunting. I'm going hunting for statues. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as I hear that he's called, I straight away turn to uh, my crew and I'm like, statue time, baby. Alfonso. Like, <laughs> what are we making? He pitches to me a very controversial biopic because award nights, they love a good biopic. They do. They do love a biopic. He says to me, we're going to do a movie about the life of John Daly, the golfer. (laughs) Now, the reason I've been approached is because he knows I'm a hardcore method actor. So I win the award because not only do I gain 50 kilos and become John Daly's size, I take up smoking, I learn to power drive a golf ball, I'm doing all that good stuff, right? It's an amazing biopic. Like Matt Damon plays Phil Mickelson. Denzel Washington plays Tiger Woods. Like it's got like the ultimate cast. And I win the biopic because I'm just this like real super gritty version 
of John Daly and a massive whack of just game kegs. Is the other sneaky bit of this too, you get to be good at golf? No. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of CG. Just, a lot of CG. There's a lot of just power driving off the tee. So yeah, that's how I'm statute chasing. I like it. It's out there. But Alfonso made it, you know. He made it so. He made it real gritty. All right, so from this. Everybody has a Hollywood career tragedy. Yeah. A good Hollywood story has a tragedy along the journey. What is your Hollywood career tragedy? So I think I did kind of allude to it, but the bad Batman film is it. Okay. Because that would, that would actually like be breaking. Yeah, that's... Because like, that would suck. Especially to you as a person, yeah. but equally to society. Yeah, because you don't recover from that one real well. No. I feel like by wrecking Batman and becoming friends with you, it's like justified. Yeah, but see there, they love banter. So every time you guys are in somewhere public or something and you think you're mates with them, they go, well, what about that Batman movie? Yeah, so but, you'd become the butt of the jokes. Yeah, but it works out because Ryan did Green Lantern. Yeah, but... Like, it's... A bad Batman, though. Rubber nipples. Chris O'Donnell is Robin. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I went down the path, and it, yeah. you, you know, you got I, I appreciate you, you got to give you got to give something that's worth what worthwhile to be a foul. Like the bond missing, always being rumored to get the bond thing and not getting it. It's not really like yeah, that's not a failed thing. Okay. And I can't really think of too much else. It's uh, it's pretty good. I like that. I like that. What about you, mate? What's the big failure? Okay, so I was sitting there thinking, like, who's got a little bit of a tragedy in Hollywood? That fits my agenda here when I'm thinking about this. <laughs> and I was like, right, Jennifer Aniston had a childhood crush on Jen Ann, loved her. And I was like, she had that awful tragedy where she's married to Brad Pitt. She's got a guy that's effectively regarded as the most handsome man in the world, right? He goes and does a movie with Angelina Jolie. She sinks the claws in. It's like, see you, Brad. Enjoy making Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Comes back. Brad doesn't come back from making Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Instead goes and adopts 48 kids and moves <laughs> in with Angelina. So I was like, right, here's my tragedy. I marry Jennifer Aniston, right? So it's like, hey, here's a like happy ending to your tragedy. Now we get together like classic Hollywood people. But she goes to make a movie with Angelina Jolie about two female assassins that live together and don't know they're both <laughs> assassins. And she doesn't come back. She then gets together with Angelina Jolie because she's now broken up with Brad Pitt. So in a weird way, you just turn super, two superstars into lesbians. Yeah, but I, so I, but I become like, I become the Jennifer Aniston where I lost my partner to another star while they were making a movie. <laughs> yeah. So I become like Ross in the middle of the Friends season run where Rachel just flicks him and see you later. Look, it sounds... I do like the story. You've done a, a good bit of research on it. I yeah. will give, I very much give you that one. Side note, Thank that you. is still the weirdest thing that nobody ever called out Angelina Jolie for doing that. No. It, it was just like, oh, poor Jen. That was it. Yeah. Oh, poor Jen. Not like, that was a pretty sketch move. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just like, oh, I'm just going to ignore that. Yeah, Angelina, she's got that weird streak. No yeah. one said anything. Yeah, I know. <laughs> weird. Anyway. Poor no. Jen. Poor C, what was my fucking name? C. Jackson Dupree. Poor C. Jackson. <laughs> no, nah, it's very well done. Thank you. All right. Uh, and just quickly then, last bit. 
what's like your uh, your legacy? Like how are you perceived? What's your brand? So I did a good thing about this. So for the most part, the brand is really just in that. I'm just you and, you know, the Hugh Reynolds gang. So I get to roll out a few things. Mm. But towards the back end, I get to embark and become one of Nolan's guys. <laughs> so I get to just be in all these like cool Nolan films for like 15 years. Yeah. Okay. I'm basically Michael Caine. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> Michael Caine has been in every. Yeah. Or, As yeah. the same character. Yeah. That's what you need to do, mate. <laughs> yeah. So somehow I've done that. But look, that that's basically towards the back end. I, I do have okay. a big gap, but, yeah. you know. I like that. Not bad. Maybe. Okay, so mine is uh, it's a little sad. It's a little sad, you know, when you fly uh, close to the flame. Sometimes you burn <laughs> out. Uh, so I'm like, a, I'm actually a bit of a recluse. So I'm a bit Daniel day lewis You know, like I'm a recluse. I show up for award night, but I'm not really there. Yeah, I'm not Hollywood. And I tend to do films that are not really Hollywood. You know, the Avengers people, they called me. I didn't even return their calls, right? But... What happens is uh, I start to have these like reputation of doing these cool quirky parties during award season and I don't invite Tom Cruise to one of them and he cracks his shits and he says some crap about me that I ends up getting back to me. And I'm quite bitter and a little bit egotistical so I take that shit to heart and I bear a grudge. Anyway, the following year, I'm cut up about Jen. Jen's left me for Angelina. They're doing their thing, right? They're the new Ellen and Porsche on the red carpet. Like they're the it lesbian <laughs> couple on the red carpet. I'm devastated. I'm a little wound up. Anyway, Tom is next to me on the red carpet and they want to do like a, a piece to camera with he and I in the shot. He refuses to do it unless someone brings him a milk crate for him to stand on. Yes. So we look like we're the same height. <laughs> I tell him it's no big deal. And he said, I could have said the same thing about you losing Jen Aniston. And I just sucker punch the shit out of Tom Cruise on the red carpet at the Oscars. I'm then kicked out of the Academy. Ooh. And I go, you know what? Fuck it. And I just disappear off. I buy like a castle in Scotland near wherever Sean Connery stashed himself. <laughs> and I'm basically never seen again. The odd photos bob up of me looking really kind of haggard and run down, like going to my local pub. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Just fade <laughs> into obscurity. We've had very unique careers. Yeah. I'd say that if we piece together the different bits that we each put more love into different segments, one would say. <laughs> Mine into cheap gags. <laughs> yeah. Mine into just, who do I want to be mates with? Yeah. We've got some loose careers there. Yeah, I love it. So I think my final question. Yeah. Do you think the famous Cordo or Dupree the three? Yes. C, C. Dupree. C. Jackson Dupree. <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> yep. Do you think the we're mates? No. Is that because I can never get over the fact that you're in a Bond movie? Uh, yeah, that too. So we've already had that little bit of rivalry. But I think I look at you and Hugh and Ryan and you're kind of like everything I don't like about Hollywood. Seems a bit harsh, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? We, we, we could be. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll work it out. I was trying to be too literal. Maybe maybe I could bring you back into the fold after you. Oh, poor Jen. And then 
and then you know oh you know what we've got some weird love of a of an obscure sport that we actually randomly both like oh we both like afl because we're both aussies so randomly we're like an odd couple that is seen at the mcg sometimes in a corporate box I'm there in a weird like trench coat and beanie and scarf and stuff. <laughs> and you're there like in your sort of, you know, alpha, like, I don't know, Tommy figure outfit or whatever the hell you probably would wear there with your big Collingwood Fark and rules down to your neck. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Look out for C. Jackson Dupree coming to a Netflix show near you. How shattered are you going to be if some guy names himself for that and becomes like a massive hit? <laughs> Oh, I'll sue. <laughs> and then when I sue, they'll make a documentary about me suing called You, Me and Dupree. And it'll be about the legal dramas. <laughs> uh, love it. All right, mate. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for everyone who listens in. We appreciate it. Uh, stay tuned. Next week, we'll have another special guest. And look out for our next uh, sports movie breakdown series, which is Dodgeball versus... Semi-Pro. Semi-Pro. So that'll be up on our social media accounts. We look for you to vote and get around it and tell us which one you want us to do. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at the Sidelines Media, thesidelines.com.au for our website. We're on all major podcast platforms, as you would know, because you're listening to us on one of them. Didn't think that one through. <laughs> Mate, thank you very much. No, thanks, Cordo. Otherwise, take care, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>